All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today we are talking about the big news that Matt Ryan restructured his contract and also the pay cut for defensive tackle Tyler Davidson, as well as the Falcons trading for former Buffalo Bills tight end Lee Smith. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at Falcfans.com. RIP, still going strong on Twitter at Falcfans. And, of course, still hosting this world-renowned Locked On Falcons podcast or daily Atlanta Falcons podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In today's episode, we are talking about the big news for the Atlanta Falcons on Tuesday where they finally got up off of their hands and did something. They made a big decision with doing a nearly max restructure of Matt Ryan's contract, and that has significant potential ramifications for what this team's offseason plans are in free agency as well as the draft. We will definitely get into that and explore that later on today's episode. They also asked Tyler Davison, instead of cutting him, they asked him to take a pay cut and save a similar amount of money. We'll get into why it totally made sense for the Falcons to do that. And they also acquired a player on Tuesday with reports indicating that they traded a late round 2022 draft pick for Buffalo bills, blocking tight end Lee Smith. And we'll get into all of those moves coming up on today's episode. And with Matt Ryan's contract restructure, the reports are that the Falcons saved about $14 million. And according to various websites like OverTheCap.com, officially put the Falcons under this year's $182.5 million salary cap. As I mentioned, they asked Tyler Davidson to take a $2 million pay cut, then went right back and basically used all that money to acquire Lee Smith from the Buffalo Bills, soon to be retired, blocking tight end Lee Smith from the Buffalo Bills. And while technically Matt Ryan, what they did was not a max restructure. It was pretty close to one based off of the initial reports. The Falcons left about $600,000 of meat on the bone in terms of cap space that they could have added this year had they lowered Matt Ryan's contract all the way to the veteran minimum. And we'll definitely dive in the ramifications of Matt Ryan's restructure and what it means for the Falcons draft and future plans. But let's break down Davidson and Smith's moves relatively quickly to start today's episode. The early reports from Zach Klein of WSB TV on Davison is that he took a $2 million pay cut. He was due a $3.2 million base salary and $250,000 in per game roster bonuses for a total of $3.45 million this year. Zach reports that he lowered that to $1.4 million, $1.45 million, assuming that his now base salary is going to go from 3.2 to 1.2 and he'll still have the roster bonuses. And, in exchange for that, he got about $500,000 of his base salary guaranteed, which pretty much makes him a likely bet to make the team's roster. So basically, Davison is safe for one more year as a stopgap, and presumably if the Falcons can draft his potential replacement on, say, like day three of this upcoming draft, they can potentially move on from him in 2022 relatively guilt-free. I could go deeper into this and get into the nitty-gritty of this for why it makes the most sense for the Falcons to have asked Davidson to take a pay cut instead of cutting him outright. But essentially the short version is and was a contributing factor to why I wasn't as convinced as everybody 
that Davison this offseason, entering this offseason, was a surefire cut for the Falcons to make is it, they didn't get a lot of financial gain from it. Um, essentially, if they couldn't replace Tyler Davidson with a comparable nose tackle that would play for roughly $1.4 million or less this year, they wouldn't have really saved much of anything against the salary cap. And my guess is that the Falcons over the last, you know, 24, 36 hours looked around the the landscape of the free agents during this tampering period and said, you know what, we're not going to be able to necessarily get who we want for that price tag and decided, you know, it makes the most sense to keep Davidson and ask him to take a pay cut. And I think that's a very smart move by the Falcons. As for Lee Smith, this one is a little bit more of a head scratcher. The 33 year old Smith was discussing the possibility of retirement at the end of this past season with the bills. He was basically the bills rarely used third slash fourth tight end until injuries to uh, Tyler Croft, their main blocking tight end halfway through the season forced Smith to be inserted into the lineup. Uh, He was a solid run blocker for the bills during that stretch of games in the back half of the season, but it comes off of the heels of a 2019 season where Smith was constantly flagged for holding calls and false starts. And that led to basically the, the bills benching him this past season until injuries forced them to sort of have to reinsert him back into the lineup. And so the question is, is Lee Smith a better blocker than Luke Stocker, who presumably would have been the team's you know, third tight end option instead? Sure, you can certainly make a, a very easy case that Smith is an upgrade as a blocker. But the problem is that he's going to cost you almost $1.9 million this year, which is more than twice what you would probably play for Luke Stocker, who would make the league minimum of about $850,000 this year. Lee Smith is nine months older than Stocker, and he doesn't have the same value that Stocker has on special teams. But, you know, they say Lee Smith is is a great locker room guy, yet he was fourth on the Bills depth chart at the start of this past season. So he was, you know, being a great character, locker room leadership guy from the bench. So I know people are going to get upset with me because they're going to sit here and say, hey, why aren't you talking how great a move this is? And why aren't you giving Lee Smith a chance? And I, I simply respond is like, this is to me no different than last year with Laquan Treadwell, where, you know, people were wondering when we signed him, oh, he's going to be our replacement for Mohamed Sanu. And, you know, I contrasted that by basically saying, look, he's probably just going to be a camp body and he's unlikely to make the team because he doesn't play special teams. And I think Lee Smith is kind of in a in the exact same boat, except at least last year with Treadwell, he was making the veteran minimum. So you weren't really, quote unquote, wasting money in that regard. So my hope is right now that the late round selection that the Falcons gave up in 2022 is a conditional selection. And basically if or when Smith gets cut later this summer, the Falcons will get that pick back. So we'll see how that plays out. And we'll move on and talk a little bit more about Matt Ryan's restructure and what it means for this team's offseason plans and free agency in the draft. But speaking of free agency in the draft, check out the two draft-related podcasts on the Lockdown Podcast Network by subscribing to the Draft Dudes Podcast or the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's March, and you know what that means, March Madness, Bracketology, and it's time to find out which Built Bar is the best. All month long, Built Bar is unveiling their bracket for the Best flavor with daily matchups between the top flavors that you can pick yourself at BuiltBar.com. If you don't know, Built Bars are the best tasting protein bar on the market, and they're not just tasty. They're healthy, too. They're low in sugar, low in calories, high in protein, high in fiber. Build your own bracket or vote for your favorites by heading over to BuiltBar.com 
And make sure you use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. Today's matchups feature Coconut Puff versus Peanut Butter. And, of course, you know I'm on Team Peanut Butter. They've got to win hands down. So go pick your favorites at BuiltBar.com. And when you do, make sure you use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. So looking for more news on today's NFL free agent moves, we'll check out the Locked On Today podcast hosted by Peter Bukowski. It's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts. So before we get into Matt Ryan's restructure, I do want to give a little bit of a disclaimer. I think this is still a sort of developing story, and there are still some unknown variables in terms of how much money the Falcons are going to wind up spending this offseason in free agency, who they wind up signing, who they wind up drafting, how they actually play this upcoming season and all of those factors as well as some other ones could very well recontextualize how we view this restructure in the coming days, weeks, months, and possibly even a year or more down the road. So my goal today is not to sort of the, give the definitive final take on this move, but just sort of giving my thoughts based off of all the information we have right now. So Matt Ryan restructured his contract. And the big question that everybody is asking is what does this mean for the Falcons fourth overall selection? Will, or won't they take a quarterback? I don't think this means definitively anything, but I think it definitely means they are a lot less likely to take a quarterback with that selection by doing a max restructure on Matt Ryan. If the Falcons were to move on from Matt Ryan next offseason and trade him, they would have to absorb roughly a $40 million dead money cap hit. That would actually save them $8 million against the 2022 cap since, you know, Matt Ryan's cap hit is about 48 million because it was raised by $7 million next year, as well as the year after due to this restructure. But it's going to be a lot harder in my eyes to absorb that level of a dead money hit next year. Not impossible, but when I crunched the numbers a week ago, it just became very difficult. And I'll definitely try to recrunch the numbers, probably as many of you are listening to this on Wednesday morning, and maybe I'll come up with a different conclusion. But as things look out today, you know, I think you would have to be very hopeful that the new TV money is going to give a significant boost to what the salary cap could be next year in order for you to better absorb that level of a dead money hit. Now, you are always going to take a significant dead money hit in Matt Ryan in 22, regardless of whether he restructured him, if you decided to move on from him. And before this restructure, that was roughly about 26 million, but that 26 million is a lot more doable because while you may look at that and say, Oh, 14 to $15 million in difference in terms of the dead money hit, isn't sort of an end all be all. And it's not, it is a lot more flexibility. And it's essentially the, the difference between being able to afford six or more veteran players. And that's, you know, six or more potential starters that can help your team be a better football team. So all that is to say that I think this move likely ties the Falcons to Matt Ryan through the 2022 season and possibly beyond. And I think if you're locked into two more years of Matt Ryan, going back to what I said, even before last, you know, last season and during last off season, it makes a lot less sense for you to draft a quarterback at the top of this year's draft. There's no rule saying that the Falcons can't still draft a quarterback at four and sit him for two years. But in the scenario where you do draft a guy and he comes in and say, let's say he balls during the preseason this summer and Ryan and the Falcons have a sort of sub 500 season in 2021, there's really no compelling reason for you to continue to stick with Matt Ryan at that point. If you have that young phenom waiting in the wings. And I think really the whole point of taking quarterback high is because you want to build towards the future. 
and having to wait the better part of three years for that future to come to fruition doesn't make a ton of sense. So to be clear, you know, I don't think that any team at this point in time in the offseason has definitively decided what exactly and who exactly they're going to wind up picking in the draft. You know, to me, those decisions don't get made until mid to late April by teams. But generally speaking, and particularly for teams like the Falcons that are picking at the top of the draft, you kind of know what in what direction you're leaning at this point in the offseason. And certainly if you're the Falcons and you're in the quarterback market at pick four, you're, you definitely know whether or not you're leaning in that direction or you're leaning away from that direction at this point in time. So you kind of know if you're going to take a quarterback, then it probably behooves you to not necessarily do this max restructure on Matt Ryan's contract for the aforementioned reasons. And let's be clear. The Falcons didn't need to do this. And I think that's really the point. They could have easily or relatively easily saved $14 million in cap space that they saved from restructuring Matt Ryan had they just done a max restructure on Grady Jarrett, a max restructure on Deion Jones, and done the Tyler Davidson pay cut or even cutting him outright. That would have saved them roughly $14 million as well. So I, I still feel like more moves are coming. We're still going to see some of those moves, some more restructures, maybe another cap cut or two. Although I think Davison was the likeliest of the remaining players to get cut. Although, you know, that doesn't necessarily count Dante Fowler. We'll see what happens with Dante Fowler. But as I've said many times over the last couple of days, I think the Falcons need to not only get under the salary cap, but they have to get about $15 million under the cap. And so they need more moves in order to make that happen. And basically the point I'm trying to make is I think they could have gotten to that $15 million bunch benchmark under the cap without touching Matt Ryan's contract, without touching Julio Jones's contracts. So in my eyes, I think this means that the Falcons aren't potentially settling for only $15 million under the salary cap, but with this extra $14 million they get from restructuring Matt Ryan, they're shooting for something closer to $30 million in cap space, which means that they should be, more proactive in free agency than at least we initially expected based off of how low key they were being, at least in the opening day or so in hours of this tampering period. And we were getting the impression that they were going to mostly sit out free agency. So I think we got to get to the, the end of the week and see what happens. But if we're at the end of the weekend, we, we've seen them add a couple of sort of low key veteran minimum type of deals you know, you're going to have me really questioning whether or not restructuring Matt Ryan was the right call. If we get through, you know, over the next couple of weeks and we haven't made a couple of, you know, splashes and it doesn't necessarily have to be monster, you know, $50 million contracts, but just a couple of guys that can come in and instead of making the veteran minimum, maybe, you know, or making seven, eight or more million dollars a year, those sort of mid-level signings that, were less likely given the tightness of the Falcon salary caps situation. If we haven't done that, I'm going to start questioning whether or not the Falcons made the right call, because basically if you're going to lock yourself into two or more years of Matt Ryan, I think it's in your best interest to maximize the quality of your team. And if you're not investing that money into those types of players, those mid-level and upper level players, and so therefore you're still just sort of settling for collecting a bunch of sort of cheap stop gaps so that you can still be in a position to purge contracts next offseason, which sort of I've been assuming for the last couple of weeks is the likeliest plan for the Falcons. It doesn't make a ton of sense to do this max restructure for Matt Ryan. So 
I'm expecting, as many of you guys are listening to this on Wednesday, that we're going to hear the Falcons announce the moves. We've seen in past years and previous offseasons where on the opening day of free agency, even though the tampering period was relatively quiet for the Falcons, we heard that they wound up, you know, on that Wednesday when the league year kicked off and free agency officially kicked off, whether it was Jamon Brown, James Carpenter, Brandon Fusco, Jack Crawford, Derek Shelby, et cetera, we saw that the Falcons announced a couple of free agent pickups that were previously unreported. Now you hear some of those names and you go, ew, I don't want any of those guys. The point is not the quality of the signing. The point is that we made some mid-level moves that went under the radar because the various agents weren't leaking them to the media. That's all the reports that you're hearing about who's signing here and this team. That's all leaks from their various agents. It basically just because you haven't heard about a move doesn't mean that people aren't doing things behind the scenes. So, that's what I'm hoping for today and tomorrow that we will find out that the Falcons have been working a lot harder behind the scenes and just agents were being very mum about it um, over these last couple of days. Uh, and we'll, we'll get that news on, you know, today and tomorrow. But again, if I'm back here on Friday and the Falcons have basically barely done anything and or not freed up additional cap space, I'm going to definitely be scratching my head about this move, but let's sort of talk about the other thing. But let's sort of talk about the other big topic and whether or not this opens up the possibility for the Falcons to trade back in round one if they're not going to be taking quarterback. But before we get there, I do want to plug the NBA side of Lockdown Podcast Network, where you can find a daily podcast devoted to your favorite NBA team, including the Atlanta Hawks, where Lockdown Hawks host Brad Rowland has you covered on the Hawks impressive turnaround under new head coach Nate McMillan. Subscribe to Lockdown Hawks wherever you get your podcasts. So BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NFL might be over, but the NBA, NHL, NASCAR, and FCS college football are all in full swing. And you know BetOnline has you covered for the NCAA tournament where you can enter their 100,000 Bracket Madness contest for just $15 for a chance to win $15,000 in first place cash prize. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine because BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. Just head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today at BetOnline.ag. Use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Again, sign up today at BetOnline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So before we talk, uh, if the Falcons are now potentially going to be shopping their first round pick, find out who they would be looking to trade back for from a locked on draft expert who joins host Tony Wiggins and James Rapine every Wednesday on the locked on NFL podcast, subscribe to locked on NFL, wherever you get your podcasts. So I will say that I don't necessarily think restructuring Matt Ryan really enhances the potential of the Falcons to trade back from that fourth overall pick. Now I'm not saying that the Falcons can't or won't eventually find a trade partner when the draft eventually rolls around in six weeks. We'll, we'll see how that plays out. But from my perspective, I think what would have helped the Falcons ability to trade was teams not knowing what they're going to do with that pick. And essentially they could basically bluff or use smoke screens to manipulate other teams into doing what they want to do, which include giving up the farm to trade up to that number four overall selection. Now, I don't think this move means that the Falcons have fully shown their hand, but it does tip their hand a little bit so that I think other teams are going to be a, a lot more willing to call their bluff or at least potentially more willing to call their bluff. It's it's sort of like we, you don't know if it's hearts or diamonds, but you you know it's a red suit, right, on that card. You, you're, you're sort of at the corner of your eye, you're seeing some red color on that card. So you, you kind of have an idea 
you know, you don't know what exactly if it's a six or it's an ace or a jack or whatever the case may be, but you just kind of have an idea what kind of suit it is. So in my opinion, I think it was in the Falcons' best interest to basically make teams think that they were definitely going to take a quarterback at four. And the reasons for that is, firstly, I think we can safely assume that no team is going to trade up into the top four of this draft for a position that is not quarterback, right? The second assumption I think we can make is that a trade between the Falcons and the team that most people currently consider the likeliest team to trade up that high for a quarterback, the Carolina Panthers, is very, very unlikely given that they play in the same division. Now, personally, I think if you're Carolina, you're still invested despite today's news. Even if you're sitting there saying, I don't think the Falcons could take a quarterback of four, I think it's still in your best interest to trade into the top three to take a quarterback because you already know you're not going to be able to trade the four with Atlanta. And since Cincinnati, who's picking fifth, rarely trades back in the first round, you know that trading up to five is not necessarily a slam dunk. So then the ceiling for you to get your quarterback is six. And just because you can't trade with Atlanta in Carolina's case, doesn't mean that some other team can't. And so it behooves you to move into the top three, to make sure that you get your guy because waiting until pick six is a lot riskier. So I still believe this draft sets up very much like you're going to see quarterbacks go one, two, and three, regardless of what the Falcons do with pick four. So I think the third thing is basically, all along this process, whether it was before the restructure or now after the restructure, the Falcons' chances of trading back always kind of hinged on them luring a second team beyond the Carolina Panthers to be willing to come up to trade for a quarterback. Now, who that team could possibly be, we, we so many candidates, Philadelphia, Detroit, Denver, San Francisco, New England, Chicago, Pittsburgh, etc., are any number of the teams that have been mentioned as teams potentially in the market to upgrade a quarterback and get a young uh, stud quarterback, whoever that QB four would be in this so-called scenario. But from my perspective to maximize the leverage in those trade talks with whatever that team is, you have to basically convince them that if they don't trade up and they don't give up, you know, this massive haul of picks, they're going to absolutely miss out on whoever that QB four is, because we see quarterbacks go one, two, and three in this draft. And essentially, if you don't trade up with us now, we're going to take the quarterback right now that you covet. And so therefore it incentivizes those teams. It pushes them. It bluffs them into basically overpaying for that out of desperation. And you may be bluffing. You may be putting up a smoke screen, but if you can, you know, fleece a team out of a future first round pick, like say San Francisco, then it's absolutely well worth it. So that's one of the big reasons why I thought even if you were still secretly committed to Matt Ryan long term, it was your best overall strategy this offseason to avoid touching Matt Ryan's deal for as long as possible. Right. You could wait until after the draft and then renegotiate Matt Ryan's deal and then sort of restructure it. Get a couple of get enough space to sign your draft class. And all the while you sort of still maintain the facade that you were going to take a quarterback because you could have moved on from Matt Ryan after this upcoming season because you didn't restructure his contract. So I just think not touching Matt Ryan's deal created more leverage in potential trade negotiations. But again, I'm not saying it's impossible for the Falcons at this point to trade back from four. I just think it got a little bit harder. Now, going back to the previous point, if, if that's the con of this move, right? Making a little bit harder for the Falcons to, to gain trade leverage and bluff teams. The hope is that the pro of this, it gives the Falcons more spending money to improve their roster. 
So I think the idea is you're willing to sacrifice some trade leverage if it means you're going to win more football games, right? Because you're going to be able to improve your roster. But, you know, that begs the question, right? Okay, well, if the Falcons aren't going to take a quarterback at four and Aaron, you're saying that they're probably possibly not going to be able to trade back. What do they do if they wind up staying at four? Well, I will stick and maintain my previous opinion, which I thought quarterback and pass or pass catcher were the likeliest picks for the Falcons at pick four. So if quarterbacks off the table, I still maintain pass catcher, meaning Kyle Pitts as your possible unicorn tight end or Jamar chase as your potential Julio Jones heir apparent are the two likeliest picks for the Falcons. Of course, we will continue to hear and, and believe that the Falcons could also decide to take Penny Sewell with that pick. But of course you also have to factor in, well, you know, similar to the Matt Ryan restructure, locking him into the quarterback position for two years, Jake Matthews restructure kind of locks him into left tackle position for two more years, unless you're absolutely convinced that him, he, that he can move to left guard or you have to be absolutely convinced whether it's Jake Matthews, whether it's Penny Sue or Caleb McGarry, that one of those three players can absolutely hold the fort down at left guard for the next two years. Now, maybe the Falcons believe that I would tend to be, you know, I'm a little bit more skeptical of that, that you would necessarily use that pick on, on a guess like that without knowing that. Um, but you know, Maybe the Falcons absolutely believe that one of those guys can hold down the Ford at left guard for the next two years before you move on from Jake Matthews and or Caleb McGarry. And then you can sort of, you know, reshuffle your offensive line. But if they do manage to trade back, I certainly think it does open the doors for a potential defensive player. In addition to some of these offensive players we're talking about, whether that be a pass rusher, a linebacker or a cornerback, as well as it still, you know, maintains the possibility that they could take a pass catcher later in draft or an offensive lineman later in draft. Or, you know, again, it's not crazy for them to take Mac Jones, another quarterback, if they wind up trading back. We'll see how it all goes. But I'm not going to lie to you. I was definitely caught off guard by this max restructure of Matt Ryan, because simply I've been operating for the last couple of weeks that the Falcons would do their damnness to avoid touching that deal uh, in order to keep their options open. You know, asking Tyler Davidson to take a pay cut was also unexpected for me, but in hindsight, it makes total sense that that was the right move to do. Uh, We've been talking for the last week or so about Dante Fowler taking a pay cut, uh, which I still think makes total sense. But of course we were overlooking Tyler Davidson taking that pay cut as well. Lee Smith was another surprise. Um, it's very reminiscent to me of the Laquan Treadwell and Charles Harris type of moves that the Falcons made last year. But, you know, the difference being that those guys were first round picks. And even though I thought the whole first round pedigree and redemption project stuff was way overhyped last offseason with those guys, at least I think you could at least pretend you can trick yourself into thinking there was a sliver of a chance that maybe it would pay off for you, given their youth, given their pedigree um, and the fact that you were paying virtually nothing in order to, quote unquote, take that that risk. Right. I don't think you can really do the same thing with Lee Smith. So. You know, and as far as that goes, we're off to a bad start this offseason. You know, how dare Terry and him uh, spurn Luke Stocker like that? You know, I, you know, you know, I have a long memory. I, I can still remember the first move that Thomas Dimitrov made as a general manager, which was cutting Noriaki Kinoshita, uh, their NFL Europe return specialist from Japan. That was a superstar. Um, and, you know, I still remember that move 13 years later. So I will never forget this, Terry Fontenot. I will be holding this against you 27 years from now. Um, who says I can't hold a grudge? But there you guys have it. And we will continue talking about, you know, what moves the Falcons make on 
today on their official day of the league year and sort of what things become official, you know, if they're going to cut Dante Fowler as a post June one cap cut, we'll find out today on Wednesday. Um, so we'll see what other moves that they have to make uh, in order to continue to free up more cap space and, or, you know, use up the cap space that they've now started to create. And we'll just sort of find out what happens on future episodes of locked on Falcons. And before we duck out of here, I do want to say on a sad note, I do uh, want to, give my condolences to the victims of the very small shootings that happened in and around the Atlanta area on Tuesday. And I want to say to all you guys out there, you know, stay safe out there. You know, we're, the world is moving in a better direction, but it, it, it still isn't necessarily back to normal in, in that regard. So stay safe out there guys. Um, and I will talk to you tomorrow until then.